So welcome once again to the one-to-one podcast with our priest on a mission, Father Dan Leary. I'm your host, Kevin Wells, with my guest, Father Dan Leary. So the name one-to-one comes from the words of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, Father Al. He said, when you're confronted with a child who is sick, you cannot be indifferent. You have to help this individual on a one-to-one, a person-to-person basis. Father Dan, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be with you again. Sorry it's been a while. I've been pretty busy, but it's great to be back. You you came at a uh, at a providential time. Uh, we know we know how inundated with your priesthood you are um, south of the border. But um, you know, I we might as well just start with what's on the mind of. I don't think it's you know exaggerating to say that many millions of Catholics are are struggling today uh, for for various reasons. But really, yesterday, finally after two years. The uh, McCarrick report dropped, and I think there's there's some great disillusionment, great sadness, and and um, oh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, well, some people are just angry. It seems to be a scapegoating of of, um, of Pope John Paul II and, and Pope Benedict and and um, Archbishop Vigano and a few others, and with no culpability um, from the Vatican today, from what they knew. And it's, it's a tough time, I think, Father, because it's coming off this election, obviously. And, and, and again, I don't think it's exaggerating to say that I think tens of millions of, of Catholics, actually, I'll just say millions of Americans think that there, there could have been some fraud involved with the voting, et cetera. So it's a, it's a roiling time. And more and more, I think that what a, what a time it is to go to the sacred heart of Jesus and to go to Mary. But that said, still, uh, this cloud penetrates us. It hurts us. So we, I just, I want to start there. What, what would you encourage for this, these many millions of folks who are suffering now? Right. Well, I, um, I, I'm aware of the election and I have not really tuned into the McCarrick report yet. I, I have experienced in my own life, sort of that fog that comes with who to trust, where to go for truth, um, because that's an essential reality of our faith is going to the church, which meant unchanging teachings, not based on the pastor or his whim, but it was consistent. That's why it was universal. I think two things that occurred to my heart first is that it's going to be hard for the smoke or the fog to settle while people remain in anger and keep bringing up the topics. I have always been one to try to address the topic. And then once it's addressed, you move on because I think it inherently gives more, more quote unquote press to the evil one, more attention, which inherently then brings up wounds and shame and pain from people's past and their lives and, and all of that stuff, it just becomes divisive. So the first is that. The second thing is be careful of that internal division that takes place when you are aware of these topics, you know, like the election or the McCarrick report. I have learned in, in some respects to lower my head and work not necessarily harder, but in a way harder uh, with a deeper spiritual focus when things became just so... I, I couldn't understand them. I couldn't get my mind around it. I didn't know 
where there was truth and where there wasn't truth. So if I could encourage the folks to say, look, man, like stay, stay focused. The Eucharist and the tabernacle does not depend on the holiness or lack thereof of a priest. And so that's stable. Mary's presence is stable. St. Joseph. Um, so Kevin, I've always gone to stable uh, at realities and those truths then somehow like the sun on, in the fog in the morning, it just dissipates the doubt. And then I have that inner peace to know what God wants. Yeah, that's beautifully stated, Father. That is the blueprint. And we know the way of Christ, who he too was continually picked at by the Pharisees, tax collectors, scribes, and, and there was a lot of fog uh, that, that shrouded him. And he saw it, and he just worked harder, as we know. I think, I think you brought up a word there, stability. And, and, and I'll just address one, one last sort of um, uh, topic as it relates to the McCarrick Report and the election. It's the stability that Catholics thirst for from their spiritual leaders, from their bishops, their cardinals. And here on this feast day of St. Martin of Tours, who, as we know, halved his robe to give to the poor man on the street, it seems, and I'm, and I'm speaking on the behalf, I, I think it's fair to say, of many millions of Catholics who think that Martin has just gone right past them on horseback and has not seen them as beggars looking for stability, looking for the voice of reason looking for really a martyrdom of, hey, cover me up. Or if you're not going to cover me up with half your robe, at least take your robe and sort of like the Wizard of Oz, draw it back so we can see the truth, so we can see like where the problems are, so we can march on, so we can move on. We really don't care what the past is. We just need authenticity, truth, vulnerability, and we need to see how bad things were and where you want to take us. And I think that's why Catholics are disillusioned is that robe is still covering things up. Yeah, it could. I, I, I have to tell you, I have the opposite experience here in Mexico because my presence in Chalco and Girlstown, this, the 3,400 girls or so, is actually stable. So I run around from place to place, and I'm at a certain location for confessions, and then the girls are coming. Um, they know that... so in a school-like atmosphere in which I find myself, um, what I see is stability is creating inner peace, especially because the kiddos came from a lot of noise and instability. And that's that the presence of a consistent spiritual father here is liberating them. And it's providing, even though I'm not in the, in the four buildings all the time, I'm, I'm in one of the buildings. I can't buy locate yet, Kevin. Um, but, uh, what's happening is it's providing stability. That's 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 it. We need firm footing, stability, and just really a path forward. Almost like a flashlight saying, hey, follow me. This is the way of sanctity. You know, this is this is sort of a post-Pentecost way. It's it's tough out there, it's a jungle, but we're gonna walk forward with with the graces and, and you know the scripture, the you know, the, the truth. So, yeah, that's that's what we need is, is sort of what you're doing down there, whether you see yourself as a sort of a Father Al or a Father Flanagan or some kind of crossbreed of the two. I, I don't know, Father Dan, but but it, it is it is certainly for all of us who know of the graces taking root down there. 
um, refreshing because it, it just seems to us to be healthy, purifying, and, and kind of the way, the way of the cross, uh, the freedom that can be found through looking at the cross and saying, I'm going to go forward now. And it, it seems that's what you're doing down there. Yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm now down here almost four months and over four months. And what's happening is there's, there's healing taking place growth taking place in the sisters and the children. So you start to see some real movements of hope, of liberation, of peace. So um, it, is a, a, it is a place where I guess I'm, I'm just trying to give the, the children a chance to come out from the pain and then let God take over the rest where they will grow into something, as Mother Teresa would say, something beautiful for God. Yeah, it, well, that said, just in the past several weeks, just give us one individual that you have seen the past several months. You sort of uh, have seen a, a great woundedness. You started to work with this individual, and now you see them on November 11th or whatever the day is, and you're like, man, this, this person is going after it. Yeah, it was, it was one of the girls, not in the, like maybe the second or third year, I come out of a something late at night, you know, it was like 8.30 and it was a Saturday night because all the girls were in the gymnasium singing. And one of the sisters was walking with one of the girls and I had stolen an orange from the uh, kitchen. Okay, so it's not a sin if I steal because I forgave myself. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm walking back to my, to my room and the sister is walking with one of the girls and she's crying and I say, Hey, what's going on? You know, I give her some of my orange. I don't give her the orange. I just give her the peel, and she starts laughing. I said, you can have that part. I'll eat this. And uh, I said, what's up? And she, I said, you want to talk? Anyway, sister kind of let us walk, and we did this public walk while sister was kind of praying the rosary in the background. And the little one just coughed up the trauma. Okay, and this is a couple of weeks ago. S since then, man, she's... She's really healing. Like this little one is healing. She's fired up. She's smiling. Um, she's sleeping. You know, like that's a huge thing here. I are you sleeping? And there's many reasons why, and I can answer that a bit later. But um, I, she's just great, and she just has this beautiful, happy, 12, 13 year old smile. I don't know how old she is, and uh, I see the liberation from the trauma and the pain that she went through. And I gave her some homework. I was like, why don't we write a letter to that person that hurt you? And why don't you cough up all the pain and you let me read it. And uh, we don't send the letter. You read it to me. You write it in the Blessed Sacrament. And you bring it to me and you read it to me like a, like a spiritual father. And I don't correct it. <laughs> and then uh, they take it and they tear it up in front of Mary. Or they tear it up in front of the Blessed Sacrament, uh, and we say we're putting this, we're putting this monster to rest. And uh, there are countless girls whose letters I am reading, and for many, many reasons. And uh, it's proven to be an incredibly psychologically healing process because they're doing the work. They're coming, and some of them are super sweet. Like they have like hearts on their page even though but it's a heart for themselves not to the person that hurt them you know they got all that girly stuff so i just point at it and they smile they still got their mask on 
and then the tears come, and then I'm, I'm reading it, and it's very liberating. Yeah, well, that's Titanic in Astounding in Graces, tearing it up in front of the Blessed Mother. And, and um, you know, it seems to me that that really is what you just, the story you just told is the key to everything. You know, it's the key to the problems in the church, the problems with politicians, the problems in our own lives. It's tearing up the things that are inhibiting us from that path to heaven, from from the walk of, of holiness. So, so it's 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 beautiful to hear the model you're 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 setting down there. And I and I imagine what you're doing is you're taking some of these girls and boys that are becoming healed, and you're taking them a little deeper into retreats. Yeah, well, that's exactly what's happening. Well, the follow-up with that was the other day. I was walking up at the Sunday, and they get a little snack on Sundays. It's called the merienda. And so I'm walking along, and the girl sees me, and she runs up, and she offers me one of the cookies. But she doesn't offer me the cookies. She offers me the plastic wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Smart kid. Yeah, I said, I don't think so. And we just started laughing, and then we toasted a cookie in the midst of her friends. But her friends didn't know any idea what was going on. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, I, I developed a retreat for the fifth year, the oldest girls, it's 500 girls. And we do five retreats, 100 girls at a time. And it's amazing. Friday, there's five talks, um, time for reflection Friday night. They have healing with this, the mantle of our blessed mother in front of the blessed sacrament with the mother superior and I putting the mantle over three girls at a time. It's amazing. And then Saturday afternoon, 3, 9, they do they have talks. I give them uh, strong talks on the women that love Jesus and then healing in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And so what they're doing is they're writing down on a piece of paper all the people that hurt them. And I brought the Blessed Sacrament down to a small table, and I kneel on one side, and the girls come up, and there's a white cloth down, and all these little rose petals the sisters put down, and the Blessed Sacrament, the monstrance. And in front of the Blessed Sacrament, the girls tear up their paper and throw it on the ground and then put their hands on the base of the monstrance and look at Jesus. And I put my hands on their hands. And Sister is singing in the background. And so we've done two of them. And it's really quite amazing because sometimes when Sister's just strumming the guitar, all you hear is tearing the paper up. And the girls are really letting go of the pain, you know, like... Uh, who I don't know who hurt them, and then we're going to burn all the little intentions after all five retreats. But it's quite powerful to see them and then uh, being liberated um, and then working with them in spiritual direction and confession. I can see the fruit. It's powerful. Yeah, well, everything seems to be sacramentalized. Everything seems to be healed. I, You know, the visual, it's, it's so beautiful. The visual is that that the, the poor girl puts puts her hand on the base of the monstrance and going back to sleeping. It's like when when the hemorrhaging woman was healed by placing her hand at, at the hem of the garment. It's like placing on the monstrance. You place your hand on there and say, "I will give you everything." The woman is healed. The girl is healed, and they can sleep. You know, uh, now yeah. the hemorrhaging woman and the girl can sleep. Is that is that what you were saying? Is once the uh, garbage is gone, they can they can sleep well at night? Yeah, Kevin, because a lot of times there was trauma fighting pain at night or in the dark and they haven't been able to sleep so it's this really funny thing i have these masses with healing prayers and i said how many of you are sleeping better and all the hands go up and then the next question is how many of you are waking up on time <laughs> <laughs> and that's the joke i'm like look jesus can't 
that's not Jesus's job. That's your job. Get up. <laughs> well, they all just start giggling. But it's it's the sisters are telling me that the girls are sleeping. You know, these girls were waking up in the middle of the night screaming. You know, you got 40 girls in a room, three bunk, three bunks per high, and some girls screaming her bloody head off uh, at night because of some monster dream. And these are girls 11, 12, up to 17. Yeah. Uh, you you know, you're waking up the whole room. And so these little guys are snoring through. And, and uh, so, as you can see, that has the effect. And they're waking up on time. They're not cranky. They're not wearing their crabby pants. And so that's amazing. Well, yeah, yeah. The night, the night terrors, the demons from their past. And I think we know what those demons were. Uh, they're being put in their wake. So that yeah, is being liberated. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, it's just, it's so, it's so darn therapeutic to hear what you're doing down there. It's everything is analogous to the healing that sort of we need up here. Uh, and, and another thing I've been hearing is, and, and just so the listener knows, you know, Father Dan is surrounded every day with, in, in Chalco, Mexico, 3,300 girls from the age of 12 to 17, 18, and, and boys in Mexico, you know, 2,500 boys similarly aged. And, and when the virus finally breaks, he'll start traveling throughout the world to the Sisters of Mary's. And, you know, they're, they're everywhere. The Far East, they're in Africa, they're in uh, South America. So so um, I, I, I know I've heard that what's going on down there now is somehow, I don't know how you're doing it, maybe you can explain you're managing to expose the Blessed Sacrament um, in different locations, uh, whether it's every night or every other night or frequently, and, and kids are just kids are just being healed in, in front of the of Christ in the exposed Blessed Sacrament as well. Yeah. So we had, so the gymnasium is the only thing that can hold all these hoodlums. No. <laughs> so they have the buildings by grade, right? And so what Sister the Superior and I developed is exposing the Eucharist at about 645 in one building. And then I run down, get on my bike, and ride to another building. The other building is where I'll have the Mass with healing prayers, but there's two chapels there. And so one chapel, I'll expose the Eucharist for the girls. They come in three families at a time, about 60, 80 girls at a time for 20 minutes, lights out, beautifully prepared, candles. And then I'll go down and say Mass and then pray over those children, which is 80 to 100 children, do benediction for that group, and then go up and do benediction at other building and then ride back to their building by 9.15, 9.20, and do benediction for the older girls. Because it's, it's not possible to do it in one place because the girls would have to be outside. It's cold outside. It's chilly for the girls down here. I mean, it's not that cold fall down here for me. But what you're doing is you're 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 putting these guys, these girls, and then they're taking a 20 minute break in their studies, and they're walking upstairs to the chapel. So they're not getting all jacketed up and shooed on. They're they're scooting up the stairs. And at at both places, last night I had in one building, I had uh, 500 girls packed, the little ones. They're like sardines, man. You can stack them high and deep. Uh, and then the older girls, the, full, the chapel was full again. It was outside, actually. I mean, it was flowing out. And it's beautiful. The sisters put on a song to the Holy Spirit. The girls sing it, do benediction formally. It got this four-foot monstrance. And then at the end, they all hit the rack. So it's, it's 
amazing. And they're all sleeping better. Yep. Uh, just graces. Just just a showering of graces everywhere. Thank you, Father. I, I'm wondering, though, on that bike, by the way, I've seen a, a couple photographs of that bike. You should be, <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. That thing is... Um, that thing, I, look, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a, a female version of that bike that the Wicked Witch to the West <laughs> rode in Wizard of Oz. But 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 anyway, you you got to do what you got to do. But I'm wondering, do you have a basket in in the in the bike that you're bringing the Eucharist in, or where you're going from building to building, or how does that work? Because okay. you're, you're, you don't act like you don't know. There's a basket. There is a basket, but I'm not bringing <laughs> the Eucharist from place to place. There's a, there's a chapel and tabernacle in both. Places. Thank God. I don't need you crashing with Jesus falling on the ground. Thank God for that. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know how you were doing that. And you said you could buy, you, you weren't by located. I know that, but okay. No. Well, well, Father, we got to, we got to wrap it up. We're over our time. Limit. So let me bless you. May the Lord bless you, protect you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you. And through the intercession of our lady, virgin of the poor, may almighty God bless you. Father, son, Holy spirit. Amen. Father, thanks so much for the blessing. We know how busy you are. We'll let you get back to the girls now and uh, we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Peace. You've been listening to the One to One Podcast with Father Dan Leary and Kevin Wells. If you want to learn more about the founder, Father Al, or how to support Father Dan's mission and the Sisters of Mary's mission, head on over to worldvillages.org. And to follow more podcast episodes, go ahead and subscribe, like, share this podcast so more people can find out about the goodness coming out of these awesome conversations. For more podcasts and podcasts just like it, head on over to holyruckus.com. Thanks so much.